Now, earlier in the week, we heard on the show what needs to be done to improve stroke survival rates. Well, today, our reporter, Josh Crosby, brings us a follow-up report. Uh, It comes as there's new research linking areas with a high concentration of fast food outlets with stroke. Josh, what's the story? Well, Pat, this is something I suppose a lot of listeners may have always had their own suspicions about, but now researchers at Columbia University in New York have found that adults over 50 who live near dense fast food and unhealthy food environments known as food swamps had a higher risk of stroke compared to those who lived in areas with fewer fast food choices. So the study included 17,875 adults, so quite a large scope. But but this term they're using, it's something I only heard about while doing this report. So a food swamp is an area where communities have been inundated with fast food chains and convenience stores as was leading to more unhealthy options. So the research found that people living in these areas had 13% higher odds of incident stroke than those who lived in areas that Okay, are- now I've seen the food swamps in the United States, didn't know they were called that, but literally row upon row... Door to door to door, you've got all the different your neon, your neon flashy lights, everything, the smell of grease wafting across the street. <laughs> yeah. But but it's it's not just in the states where there are concerns about the proliferation of fast food and the availability of takeaways. Here at home, residents have been objecting to fast food outlets entering their local areas. We have heard a lot about the no fry zones, and really these all come down to parents being concerned about the advertising, the access to these type of foods. I took a drive out to Scarries in North County Dublin. Now a few years ago, local residents got together to object to a proposed fast food outlet opening near one of the local schools as did the Irish Heart Foundation object as well. I met with mothers Catherine Sexton and Karina Canan who started off by telling me why they felt the need to start such a campaign. In your face, junk food and promotion and marketing all this, the smell of it, there'd be pester power wanting to go in it all the time. Um, it was a drive through. You know, we just had loads of concerns about it. And not only loads of concerns, but there was loads of people back in the campaign as well. You weren't just by yourself, that's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. There was lots of people involved. So my name's Karina Kanan and I was also involved in the drive through committee. Our main concerns were that the marketing of these fast food restaurants would be right in the faces of children going to school and the fact that it was right in the middle of a residential area. In fact, it was probably around 30 metres from my house. So as well as that, there was lots of other local schools, secondary schools, who would be in walking distance to get there on their lunch break. So how did the campaign first come about then? So it was mostly parents, I imagine. Yes, um, it was myself that started it. And we just all got together. We campaigned around the village. We went into the school. We had a meeting where hundreds, it was a brilliant turnout. Uh, Lots of parents uh, turned up at the school. And there was over 200 submissions to the council against it. So there was a lot of anger towards it coming to the village. So for any listeners they know they're tuning in, maybe they're concerned about their own area, they feel like they don't want fast food outlets coming in or they feel like they're being overpopulated by these. Would you have any advice? It shouldn't be left to the local community. It shouldn't be left to residents. It should be, you know, in government legislation. And I know that's what they are trying to do, but it's such a slow, long process. They are trying to put in these no-fry zones. So it really shouldn't be left up to the likes of us to campaign and, you know, garner support for it. And we have to fight tooth and nail against local county councils and then go ahead to, you know, make appeals to onboard Planola. It cost us loads of money as well. We had to do loads of fundraising for it. And it was a huge, you know, time and effort out of our lives to fight it.
Now, Scary's residents, Catherine Sexton and Karina Knan, uh, what about the medical experts in this field, Josh? Do they believe uh, so-called food swamps are to blame? Well, yes and no. It certainly doesn't help to have an abundance of takeaways on your doorstep if you're inclined to make poor decisions when it comes to your diet. But at the same time, we have to make up our own minds, like what's wise for us to eat or not. I know myself when I'm tucking into something that might be very tasty, might not be the healthiest for me, but I still know what I'm doing at the time. Speaking of professionals in this area, a lot of these food swamps can come down to affordability and the ease of access to food. I spoke to Professor Ronan Collins, who's a consultant physician in geriatric and stroke medicine, about food swamps and the impact they can have on an area. He told me that strokes are the third leading cause of death in Ireland, and he estimates there could be anywhere around 60 to 90,000 people living in Ireland with a disability after a stroke. Professor Collins is also the clinical lead for the National Stroke Programme, and he believes there needs to be long term forward planning into these areas where there might be an over-concentration of fast food outlets. Yeah, so food swamp is a kind of a modern uh, invention which surely came from the States. It tends to relate to a concentration of, I suppose, highly processed, low-cost food outlets in certain neighbourhoods. Uh, and of course, diet and nutrition is a very important uh, predictor of health and future life, not just of cardiovascular disease and stroke disease, that's in heart and brain, but also, of course, it's related to cancer. And so it's very important that there is some discussion about this and the issue of food poverty and its relation to health. Listen, we all enjoy the odd takeaway. I'm not a health fascist, but at the same time, if that's the only means of nutrition that people can afford, we have a problem. Here at home, what measures would you like to see introduced around fast food offerings to in turn improve people's future health? Like, is there more kind of regulations around advertising or these areas where we do have clusters of outlets? Well, again, you need to be careful to ensure that there's a viable options because if you remove what is cheap, affordable meals for families that are struggling, there must be an option that's provided that's equally affordable before you start looking at options like taxing. So that's an important thing to make sure that there's a, a balance because there's no point in removing, if you like, uh, what's the cheap, affordable meal if there isn't one then provided to families to, to replace that. I think, again, there needs to be greater education as well in teaching parents how to prepare healthier foods. I would be in favour of gently approaching a system where you're beginning to make processed, highly processed foods and takeaway foods a little bit more expensive, uh, maybe kind of subsidy, but then that that subsidy subsidises more healthy, tasty options for people so it's affordable. And that's uh, Professor Ronan Collins, the clinical lead of the National Stroke Programme, quite nuanced in his uh, response, because there's no doubt that some of those um, meals, you know, McDonald's or whatever, are are cheap, Mm -hmm. you know, for what they offer. The problem is if you're having one twice a day (laughs) and seven days a week, that's when the problem might uh, arise. Um, The the theory here is that if you've got more offerings than one in an area, because if you were, say, going to McDonald's every day, you get bored. Right. But if you can go to McDonald's one day and Burger King the next and Pizza Hut the next Mm. and then the next and the next and the next, you could rotate and eat fast food all the time. And maybe that's uh, what they're talking about in terms of the food swamp. But isn't it up to families, parents, teachers to actually 
keep this in check. Education, yes, Pat. So for, from those I've been speaking with who work with families and children with their diets and nutrition, these so-called food swamps can tend to be in areas, uh, which we're saying there, that might be disadvantaged in ways the cost of living is very much, very much playing a role when what's been decided to put on the dinner table. Dublin-based dietitian Sarah Kyo says there's a range of factors at play and it's not just as simple as hoping parents make the healthiest choices. Education is always going to be really important and one of the things that dietitians will do a huge amount of work on in the community and the community dietitians is a lot of interventions and particularly peer-to-peer learning. But I think one of the things that you come up against a huge amount as a dietitian is accessibility for what's available for people. I find certainly working as a dietitian is most people actually have reasonably good knowledge, like people eating takeaways all the time. They know they're not healthy. So the barriers are often not knowledge. I mean, the knowledge needs to be there, but the barriers can be what money they have available, what people will eat, because families on very restricted incomes, they often can't afford to take the chance on a different meal in case the family doesn't eat it, because then they don't have the money for an alternative. And certainly the more access there is to sort of fast foods and things like that, yes, people tend to use them. And education is going to be really important. But I think we need to have such a look at income as well as education and accessibility. What advice would you have for parents out there who are trying to introduce healthier meals at home and they're thinking that they're on an uphill battle with outlets in the area? (laughs) It can be tough. And particularly if you have children who are a little restricted in what they like. So sometimes don't try and change everything overnight. Small changes. One of the things that we often work with you know, if someone is using things like takeaways or ready meals or things like that, rather than kind of throwing them all out and changing everything straight away, what I'd often say is even start by, you know, if you're very short on time, frozen vegetables, like in the time that, you know, somebody's gone to get the takeaway or delivery is on its way, you can boil up a few peas, you can have some frozen veg on the side and you're just starting then to bring in some of the vegetables and things like that. And that can work because, you know, kids are still getting their familiar meal maybe, but the nutrition is just going up. I wouldn't try and change everything overnight. (laughs) You do get huge resistance to it. And that's dietitian Sarah Kyo from eatwell.ie giving some of the reasons why she's seeing a growing number of children who are tackling obesity. Now, this study on food swamps that you mentioned is from the United States. Um, Where in Ireland is there anything similar? Well, I was trying to figure out how I could put a finger on the map for this. Now, some counties, even towns, are renowned for their takeaway offerings. The people of Cork will always say they have a good selection. Then some people believe the best traditional chipper in the country is in Limerick. A lot of counties have their own signature concoctions that they'll be very proud of. The Batter Burger in Dublin. You have your cheese and onion pies in Cork. Even Rissoles in Wexford. But I actually came across a survey that has pinpointed the number one takeaway location in Ireland per capita. And it's Swords in Dublin. Now, the latest research I could find is from 2015. So it has been a few years when this was carried out by Treated.com, but it was the town with the highest total number of fast food outlets per capita with 4,102 per outlet. So I took a drive out there and to see for myself, and we do have to take into account there are shopping centres around the town, so the outlets in these centres would be adding to the figures and the population has obviously changed as well. But if you take a stroll down the main part of the town, you will come across a range of takeaways. I stopped a few residents there just out and about for a walk and I asked them how they felt about this finding and if they think there's anything wrong with it. Plenty of takeaways. Too many actually. And what for, for younger people if they're looking for a snack it, maybe they should be have a healthier option is it? That's it, a healthier option. Fruit, veg, forever. It's definitely blown up in the recent years as I like I've been coming here like for past like 10 years I suppose and just blown up recently like you know. Would you say there are too many? Uh, no, no way. No way. You can't have enough deliveries. Ah, it's handy. It's handy. Variety is the spice yeah, of life. exactly, exactly. Well, I'm originally from Source, so many years ago there was only about, i say, four or five, and then that was it. Then the population obviously grew, 
and I say, God, I don't have any of this, but there's definitely more. So everywhere you go now, there's just restaurants and just takeaways, so definitely a huge, double, a treble of them. And do you think for younger people, I suppose, when they're seeing that option, can it be unhealthy in a way? Oh, absolutely. So uh, we're here now standing in the middle of swords. Do you think, are there a lot of takeaways in the area? Yeah, loads, yeah, loads. Chinese, for as long as I remember, Chinese and chippers, yeah. <laughs> and now with the bigger shopping centres, all the big burger places. You can even smell the, the Yeah, well, the... you want to see that across there, man. Jesus. It's good, it's good for the kids once a week. That's about it. You know what I mean? As far as I can see. But once a week, you see, that's the conversation now that people are saying, look, if there's going to be fast foods everywhere. It's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like turning into America. As you look around now, if you go for a walk through the town, are there many takeaways? Yes. <laughs> they all seem to be doing okay, so. You know, if you limit it to maybe 10% of what's on a street, well, then you've got a mix. The problem is, is that all you look, you can actually look around from where we're standing and you can probably see eight or nine. You have a young guy here with you, like, yeah. just for him growing up now, the retail options that they're kind of, that they're on healthier food foods available more so is that kind of a concern yeah 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 like i suppose it's all about a balance though as well you know a takeaway i suppose should be really a treat it shouldn't be the norm Okay, sensible comments there from a sword residence among those giving their reaction to the number of fast food outlets in the area Uh, by the way fast food nothing wrong with food being preferred fast for example chinese fresh vegetables chopped up and thrown in a wok what's unhealthy about that you know That is a question. So fast food is a generic term which may not always uh, be appropriate.